On today's Below Average Joe's MMA podcast, we are previewing UFC Vegas 59, Tiago Santos versus Jamal Hill, Vicente Luque versus Jeff Neal, and the winners of season 30 of The Ultimate Fighter will be crowned. Also, our first two divisions in the PFL's playoff matchups are up in New York City. Also, we're recapping Dana White's Contender Series Week 2. Did Dana's message from Week 1 to B. Joe Piper get through to the lads? Find out. And finally, <laughs> on top of all of this, just a, a mass of fight announcements, including a big one in the UFC lightweight division. All this and more, and it all starts right now. Welcome back, one. Welcome back, all, to this preview edition of the show, episode 227. We're here. It's Thursday. We're almost to the end of the work week. Dominic, how's your week going? I know uh, I tend to ask you that a lot, but it's because I care. It's because I care about you. I care about how you're doing. And it's not just because you have an ass that don't quit. It's because... You, your eyes, I get lost in them every time we do one of these shows. So please, tell me, tell the viewers all about your week. Yeah, it's been a good week. The heat is back. The heat is on. Isn't that an 80s song? Um, it's back <laughs> in full force heading in. Actually, it's now August, the first week of August. Uh, one week away from the two-year anniversary of the start of the show, by oh. the way. That's pretty crazy stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's been a good week thus far. It's going to be a good weekend. Finally, after over a month of sitting and waiting, I will actually graduate this coming weekend, so it will actually feel real, because it still has not set in that I haven't been doing schoolwork for the past month and a half. So that'll be fun, heading up to our beloved BGSU, the Falcons, get in one last graduation ceremony, and that's going to be it for me. I'm going to say I'm going to call it quits. I'm going to retire. No more school. school. (laughs) No more school after 20 long years, so uh, it's been a fun ride. One last little celebration with the family and friends this weekend and next weekend. So it's going to be a good one. Noah, how's your week been? How are you feeling heading in to this upcoming weekend? We got two uh, MMA cards back for the first time in a few weeks. This is very true, and I will just say I'm very disappointed I don't get to call you Dr. Dom ever in my life. But uh, Well, maybe I, I should I, I go guess, back. <laughs> I guess I do. Uh, I understand, though. I was not ready. I would... I, the idea of going straight in to, to more school after graduating with the, the undergrad, I give you uh, full credit for doing it. But uh, for me, that was, whew, that was, yeah. I barely got through the, the four year. I, <laughs> I, I mean, had I a breather. It, like, it was like six years for me. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. you almost had a master's before I had a bachelor degree. I was, yeah. uh, it was a grind. But uh, yep. no, as far as my week, everything's good. It is the dog days of summer. It's hot. I'm wearing yep. a long sleeve freaking shirt i just put this on when i got inside ac i have it set at 69 degrees oh nice. yes yeah. but yeah. also it's just you got to keep it cool in the place right my mom keeps it around like 74 75 and i'm like what the hell is going oh. on here 
Oh no. Like, yeah, oh. she gets she gets cold very easy. Nobody seems to complain there. I'm just uh, I'm just uh, the guy who comes in like a wrecking ball. Is like, let yeah. me put your AC. Let me <laughs> bring raise your AC cost. Let me yeah. make you all freeze out. Yeah, I'm that guy. So uh, yeah, no. But the week's been good. Glad that we have multiple cards this weekend. I'm excited about the PFL playoffs. You know, I saw a poll today by oh. the very one, the very only Ariel Hawani. And uh, it might have this pool may have been tied into his show. Uh, I have not watched all of today's MMA hour. I tend not to watch all of it, but I like watching the stuff he does with kind of his his crew. I love yeah. like GC Mysterious Brank and uh, New York Rick. Those guys they're very their camaraderie is just great. Yes, fighter interviews have just never been my like favorite thing. It's just never really been something that's interested me that much. But not the point. So he had this poll on his Twitter, and he said, who, in your opinion, is the second biggest MMA promotion in the world right now? And the three options, there was also an other, so a fourth, was Bellator, PFL, and one. Mm-hmm. And Bellator got like 45% of the vote. I think one, well, basically, I don't remember the exact scores. Bellator had a pretty heavy yeah. first place. PFL only got 9%. Disrespect. And you know, I feel I feel like not enough people are giving them credit because I think the PFL are making some pretty big moves. I find myself being more excited for their cards than a lot of the Bellator cards we get. I definitely agree. I will admit I'm underestimating one just because I know how massive they are globally. Yeah. But in America, I think this Amazon deal is probably going to do a lot for them. Mm-hmm. So maybe they're really the second biggest. But as far as in America, I feel like PFL is making a strong push right now. I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. But we'll be talking about PFL in just a bit. But first, Dominic, we're going to get into UFC Vegas 59. Yes. And I want to remind everyone that uh, we have a special offer. We now have Points Bet Sportsbook as the official uh, betting partner of the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast. Yes. We're not just having a little partnership here. We're not just you know, oh, no. shaking hands and kissing no. babies. We we have a special offer for you if you're listening or watching the show. And you can even share this with your friends and family if you would like. Yeah, uh, anyone who's in, Anyone interested in points or uh, uh, sports betting, yes. you know, it doesn't have to be MMA. Look, I'm wearing a Bengals shirt right now. NFL season's right around the corner. Yes. Um, that's obviously going to be a huge time for these sports books. So, uh, as far as what points bet can offer, and also they are all odds that you're going to see for the UFC today on our ticker. Those are all the odds from points bet sportsbook. But yep. as far as what they can offer for you guys on your initial deposit, if you sign up today or any time in the in the foreseeable future, as a new user on your initial deposit, points bet is going to 100% match up to two thousand dollars. So right off the bat, you're starting doubling your money up to $2,000. I can't think of a better way to get started on a new platform. So I think it's a great deal. And it also, I'm going to tell you how you can get it because I'm (laughs) just gushing about it. You're beating around the bush. Everybody's like, how do I get this? Okay, you're telling me. (laughs) So there's two ways. One, there's a link. Uh, If you look in the description, if you're watching on YouTube or Spotify, there's a link in there. If you go there, the code will already be in there. So you can just sign up, put your deposit in, you'll get the match, all that. Second, 
If you would just like to download the PointsBet Sportsbook app, that's fine. When you go and sign up, make sure you put in code MMAJOES at sign up. MMAJOES, and then you will be able to get that offer. Again, we're very thankful, grateful to you guys as well as PointsBet Sportsbook for uh, giving us this opportunity and obviously you guys for – putting us in a position to kind of get this opportunity. Mm-hmm. But Dominic, UFC Vegas 59. Let's get into it. Headlined by Tiago Santos versus Jamal Hill. So Jamal Hill making his second main event uh, showing of the year following that wonderful first round knockout of Johnny Walker. Uh, one of the weirdest knockouts you'll ever see. Yes, uh, but definitely a statement performance to get him back on track after kind of. Well, I believe he had knocked out Jimmy Crute late last year, but before that, that Paul Craig loss that yeah. had a lot of people maybe questioning what his ceiling could be. He seems to be fully back as like the guy at light heavyweight uh, that's on the come up, and he's taking on the guy who's really feels like the biggest free faller right now in the division, Tiago Santos. It feels like we've gotten like five or six. He's feeling like the new Anthony Smith as far as fight night headliners. I mean, Tiago Santos, maybe it's been probably to, you know, usually a main events to your benefit, but I feel like it's almost made it worse for him that all these main events have just not really done him any wonders. Uh, I think back, he obviously headlined UFC 239 against John Jones, gave him a freaking, I mean, hell of a, of a showing on one leg for most of the fight. Uh, me and Dominic at the time thought he had done enough to win the light heavyweight title against the guy who's maybe the best ever do it. And John Jones judges disagreed that knee injury, leg injury was massive, had him out yeah. for over a year. He returns in a headlining spot with Glover to looks good early. Glover eventually gets him down ground and pounds him, submits him out of there. And ever since then, it's just been rough. I mean, he was on UFC 259 against Rakic, and Rakic just sort of outpointed him for three rounds. And uh, then he was headlining. I, I don't know the exact order here, so but he headlined with Johnny Walker. He wins yeah. that fight, but it's like nobody really felt like they won that fight. If anything, it felt like it was, again, just more of an exposure of where these guys, Tiago included, are at this point. Yeah. And then he headlined with uh, Magomed Ankalaev most recently. And, you know, uh, once again, he just, well, there wasn't a whole lot to take away positively for him. Ankalaev, you can argue if that was a great showing or a bit underwhelming. But as far as for Tiago, there wasn't much to really take away at all. Yeah. So that's why, that's what makes this main event interesting for me, Dom, because on one half, you know, Tiago Santos, I'm sort of kind of, you know, the idea of him in another main event spot where that just has seemed to be not really his forte is a bit, um, you know, it's a bit lackluster on paper. But he's taking on Jamal Hill, who's one of the most exciting guys in the division, uh, an absolute stud, a great stand-up, great knockout power. And that's where it gets this uh, matchup a little interesting for me. So when I kind of pose a question to you as far as your thoughts on the fight, I want to start with the fact that this is a five-round main event. Yeah. You know, we've seen Tiago Santos for being a guy that is carries a lot of power, um, who's very athletic, has a lot of muscle. He seems to do okay over the course of 25 minutes. We can't necessarily 
say the same for Jamal Hill, who's yet to go into the later championship rounds. Uh, his lone main event was a first-round knockout. I mean, he's had a lot of those. He's I don't even know how many times he's went to a decision. It's not been many. Mm-hmm. Um, so because of that, Dominic, when you view this matchup, is that is that is this five rounds going to be to Tiago Santos' benefit, or do you think it really doesn't matter because these two guys with their styles are going to get out of there early? See, I want to say the latter there that they will get out early, but the way that Tiago's main events have been going, you can't really say that with him. So I would say that on paper, five rounds does benefit Tiago because we've seen him go the distance numerous times. Nearly, it may even be this is going to be, he's had six main events so far. This will be number seven. All six outside of, so five out of six have went the full distance, and the one with Glover ended relatively late. So, I feel like, like the this third round, I think. Yeah. 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 So I feel like it does benefit him, but we haven't necessarily seen Jamal get out of those kind of one or two round fights. So he could have a great gas tank and we just never get to see it get displayed. So, you know, in a way you do want this to at least make it out of the third round or late in the third round, just to get a sense of where Jamal Hill's gas tank is because he's number 10. If, and if he wins, he crashes into title contender status. So, Eventually, like we say all the time with prospects like this, and he's kind of more than a prospect at this point, we want to see them get tested rather than just steamroll through all of their wins. So in an ideal world, we could see a perfect mixture of a good finish, but we do get to see some time into the fight as well. But yeah, on paper, I think it does benefit Santos, but I'm not counting out Jamal Hill. He really has that style to where I can't foresee him getting tired, and Santos doesn't necessarily enforce a game plan that makes his opponents tired either like it's going to be a stand-up fight back and forth i don't expect a ton of output so i feel like even if it is you know jamal hill that we want to see get tested his cardio may not even be tested all that much if it goes the distance so there's questions to be answered but i i could see it in an early but i'm leaning toward i don't know it's weird what do you think I mean, call me just – I mean, I used to be a huge Tiago Santos fan. And yeah. I, I'm not saying I'm not anymore. I'm just – I'm more so – I guess I mean I was a fan in the sense of like at one time, one of our first episodes of the show, we were predicting who the champions would be of each division. Literally August of 2021 was the timetable. Yeah, I thought Tiago Santos was going to come back and win the light heavyweight title with John Jones gone. And he's only won one fight since then. Yep. So my stock on Tiago is about as low as it can get. It's just the truth of the matter. And that was one time I probably had like the most Tiago stock that you can yeah. have. To me, on paper, when I look at this matchup, I'm okay with it being a main event. I'm okay with it being the matchup as it is. But it's not the fight to me that Jamal Hill really needs to test him. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really see – and I think you've made some really good points in your opening statement there about, like, Tiago's style as of late, it it seems to be almost self-reservation. Like, he seems to be preserving himself and keeping himself out of harm's way most of the time. Yeah. But he's not actually putting any sort of pressure on his opponent. He's not really forcing them into any sort of awkward scrambles or yeah. uh, exchanges. He's – I mean, he's kind of just there. I mean, it's hard to explain. Like, I know when you 
get into the unknowns, and that's not exactly our forte. We're two guys that have never trained. I know there's more going on than that. So I don't mean to like disrespect him by saying that. It's just what is he really doing in any of these fights? Even when he won against Johnny Walker, I mean, he literally won via a little bit more output and <laughs> yeah. two guys who were throwing nothing. I mean, yeah. What here is gonna to to me when I when I'm going in here, I know what Tiago has been capable of, but but what has he shown me as of late? Which that's this sport more than any other is what have you done for me lately? Admittedly, mm-hmm. and I have known him to really push the pace, bring do anything that's going to make Hill uncomfortable here. So to me. Jamal Hill, sort of, it's sort of about just what are we going to see from him? Is he going to try to get Tiago out of there early? I know Tiago hasn't looked great, but hardly, I mean, nobody's been able to do that. Glover finished him in round three after having to go through just a lot of punishment to get there. Yeah. And then yeah. you got guys like Rakic, Ankalaev, Johnny Walker, obviously, who have failed to get him out of there. It's gone the full distance. Even John Jones not able to get him out of there on one leg. So he's yeah. a very durable guy. So for Jamal Hill, it is going to be interesting to see how he looks in rounds four and five. I just wouldn't be so sure that even if he looks fine, holds up well, that that's truly the answer we need on how he looks over five rounds. Put him up against, if he wins this and then he fights Yuri Prohaska, don't be surprised if like rounds three, four, five, all of a sudden he looks like a different fighter just because the, the style is so much more pressure. Um, so just a lot different of a pace that's going to be put on. He's going to have to really work in those later rounds, you know. Yeah, styles make fights, man. And when you were talking about, again, we're kind of still going back and forth on Tiago more so than Jamal, but when you look at Tiago's latest performances, who can you compare him the most to in this light heavyweight division? It's probably Johnny Walker, two guys that have started to pull back their output and kind of fight more slow pace. They'd rather not get hit, but then again, they're not putting out much damage as well. Just see their fight against each other. I don't necessarily recommend going back and watching it, but if you want to get the comparison, <laughs> just go watch it. But then you look, and I know MMA math doesn't work this way, but Jamal Hill's first main event was against Johnny Walker, and a Johnny Walker that was still being more patient, but Jamal Hill was able to land that shot. And when Hill lands, he lands like a brick to the skull dude he may not look the part but he carries power in his hands and he is so precise and great with his timing that maybe he can find an opening here with santos that other people just haven't been able to do i I will say this if he can get santos out early that does tell me a lot rather than like winning a decision or maybe even getting like a late finish but if he can really put away Maheta, the hammer in those early rounds one and two that's a pretty big statement that's a great way to catapult into that top six of the division oh yeah completely i mean that's something that i don't know if tiago's ever been finished uh that early i don't especially I, at light I heavyweight could, yeah i mean at light heavyweight i mean you could even who knows even at middleweight i don't know if he was getting tossed around right. like that but uh that's just very interesting. Now, yeah, that would say a lot. You know, we typically like to see something new from these young guys. So, like, the idea of going into championship rounds or into the later rounds of the fight, it should be appealing because it's going to test his cardio, and that's kind of the thing that we're hoping to see. 
But at, in this fight, in this matchup, I just don't have the faith that it's really going to answer that question. So Exactly. What's more, at power, if he's able to find the shot, put him away, very impressive. We'll say, though, that the, the durability of Johnny Walker seems to be a little bit less than Tiago mm-hmm. in terms of the kind of shots they can take. Yes, mm-hmm. the styles have gotten more similar, more safer, less uh, risky, but yeah. Johnny Walker has his chin's always been a bit questioned. You know, Corey Anderson cracked him pretty good, even right. in the fight with Ryan Spann. He almost got put away like twice and then <laughs> yeah. somehow won the fight, which I mean is a credit to him for his resolve. But um, Tiago just never, even in the Ankalaya fight, I think Ankalaya may have dropped him at one time, but never really was in any danger, big danger you know? serious danger. So yeah. I'd be very impressed if he gets him out of there in the first two rounds. I almost feel, I feel like though it's, I just have a hard time seeing this fight go to distance, even though that's all, yeah. all we've seen from Tiago. Jamal Hill just, I feel like he's going to find the shot at some point. I just don't know if it's going to be early. Like I kind of feel like it might not be till later in the fight. Yeah. But it's hard to predict just because the styles don't really gel here. It's uh yeah. Not, it's it's kind of like putting a square piece in a circle hole. You know, you're like, uh, it doesn't really fit. Yeah, yeah, I very much agree. <clears throat> and more on this card to come, Dom. But we actually got to talk about what's happening the day before on Friday. The PFL playoffs begin at the Hulu Theater in New York City. So this will be our only uh, playoff uh, card that'll be in the States. The rest of them, of course, will be in Europe as they make that push. Mm-hmm. PFL Europe starting next year. It's another reason why the PFL, I think, get a little disrespected for that number two promotion in the, in yes. the world. But, um, you know, that's exciting stuff. But this one in New York City, we got the lightweights and the light, um, excuse me, lightweights and is it light heavy or is it in my... Light heavy and lightweights, yeah. Yeah, okay, I... <laughs> Should have uh, had that written down before. <laughs> Maybe I should just know that. But anyways, we got four matchups that really matter here. And of course, there's a lot more fights on this card. I'm going to be playing it. I'm sure Don will. We'll be watching you know, pretty much the whole card. And yep. if anything else sticks out, we'll talk about it. But for now, we got to focus on these playoff matchups. I'm telling you, Dom, Anthony Pettis versus Stevie Ray 2, <laughs> the main event. Yeah. What a weird first fight, right? You know, Anthony Pettis' whole PFL tenure has just been a very underwhelming, strange very affair much. so far. Yeah. Now, I do want to mention something to you. And I'm not saying you have to believe in what he's saying here. But I did catch the clip <laughs> of yeah. him on the MMA Hour today. Yeah. I don't want to give myself a good pat on the back for what I predicted before the fight even happened. Yeah. I said... Look, I, I deserve it because I'm fu- I fail as a as a gambler. Dominant gets all the shine. Gambling. Let's give Noah this. <laughs> I get this. Okay. Yeah. So I said before Anthony Pettis's fight with Stevie Ray, win or lose, Anthony Pettis was in the playoffs. So I was like, well, I can't blame the guy if he's gonna maybe. I didn't want to say he wasn't gonna try. That's not you can't really do that because you have another guy who's trying to take your head off so it's not yeah. doesn't really work that way but i did say like if he finds himself in a rough 
situation or if he's taking a lot of damage, he may, you know, not do what he would normally do. Maybe look for a way out just a little bit in order to preserve himself for the playoffs. Because what's really at stake here? This fight, he was, I think he fought for like $200,000. What's he fighting for in terms of uh, the whole season? It's a million. So it's hard to blame a guy when you already have that playoff spot locked that you don't want to potentially risk that. And then I know there's going to be some people that will comment or say online, oh, war, you know, where's the warrior spirit and all this stuff. And it's like, guys, it's it's a sport. These are professionals. Like, they have to think about these kind of things. It's prize fighting, you know. So then the submission occurs, uh, like a body triangle. We thought there might have been a rib injury with Anthony Pettis, I think, sort of similar to his fight with Dustin Poirier, if memory serves correctly. Yeah. Um, Stevie Ray gets the win, kind of unexpected, but then when Anthony Pettis' run's been the way it has in the PFL, it's like, well, maybe we should have saw it coming. But then Anthony Pettis goes on the MMA Hour and says he could have fought out of the body triangle, but he thought about the PFL playoffs, about that million-dollar cash prize. So he tapped. Yeah. What do you think, hmm. Tom? Do you, do, you think I'm, do you think I was on to something there? Or do you think maybe Anthony's uh, – is he, is he making excuses? I, I definitely don't think it's excuses. I think in a, in a season format, which, again, we don't see anywhere else, besides a Grand Prix here or there with Bellator – these guys do have more to play for. I mean, these guys are fighting, having to fight four times in one calendar year to win that million dollars if you want to go all the way. So I get it if that was the case. He got Maybe he got in that position and he's like, I'll say when he got in that position, did he could he have really gotten out of it? Or did he realize, well, maybe I'm not going to get out of it and then tap. So it still kind of works toward what he was saying, but just mm. not both parts of what he's saying. You know what I mean? Like Stevie okay. Ray add him in a legitimate hard spot there if you ask me but at the end of the day all that's out the window because they get to fight each other just a month later so it kind of just works out like ball don't lie like they say in basketball so let's see what happens here when they run it back because pettis looked good in that first round stevie ray looked good in the second round um so clearly a one-one type fight and like you've kind of pointed out we've talked about the career that pettis had in the pfl thus far one and three now one and one this season stevie ray a guy that was in the ufc for years went seven and four he's one and one this year in the pfl super seasoned and veteran both of these guys i think it is a super fun scrap this time there are no excuses because if you don't win you're gone and so is that one million dollars so really it adds so much more pressure so much more so much more validity should Pettis, you know, win and write the ship, or should Stevie Ray beat him twice in a row? Because you, you got to feel like Stevie Ray heard those comments today, and he's like, "Come on, come on, man! Are you are you he right?" He was on the off? same episode. He was <laughs> he on came today, in like right after. Okay. Yeah, they they had like a they did like a special. Uh, all their guests today were like in person, so like PFL's, uh-huh. uh, I guess the PFL's president, I think, is his title. He was there in person. That makes sense. I'm gonna go back and watch these. I probably should have watched them before, but you guys don't understand. Like my internet connection at work is—I have none. There's zero. T-Mobile took over Sprint, and all of a sudden I am in dead zone. So it's yeah. making it hard to catch up on all the content I need to before this show. But yeah. just know, like, yeah, they're both in studio today. So. Okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> now sure I'm really curious. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I am too. Um, I will admit, when he said that on the show today, like when I made that call back in the preview for that episode, or the preview for that fight, I should say, by the time the recap came around, I had kind of accepted that that wasn't what happened. Like, yeah, well, I remember the, the fight. Like, he looks, he looks like he's invisible pain. Yes, <laughs> in that, yes, bad. In that I mean, we thought he fucked up his rib, and apparently, I guess I, don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't. I, I, I'm sure Anthony believes what he's saying. I don't think he's like just talking trash or whatever. But he's never really been that type. But I also think he might just not be right on this one yeah yeah it's interesting what do you but think I, like, but i'm sure but i do think it probably went through his head that it's like oh yeah whether or not he was going to get out of it probably not but i do think in the moment if he was fighting for that million dollar prize he's gonna give it all he can to get out of it risking that kind of injury yeah but i do think that uh you know i think he looked at it like self-preservation here yeah, and no, out of these four semifinal fights, obviously two in each weight class, is this the one you're most intrigued by, especially now given these statements from Pettis? I'm curious. I would say no. It's actually probably third on my most okay. anticipated. Now, th- that's not a knock on it. Like, I think it's a great fight. I am yeah. interested in watching it again. But I think that these two, um, or excuse me, the two fights underneath it, are even more interesting for me personally. Now, Olivier Aubin, Mercier, Alex Martinez is probably the most underrated fight in the entire playoffs. Yeah. Like those two guys just seem to be fighting at a different level right now. Alex Martinez look, has looked really good. Olivier Aubin, Mercier is a freaking Great. stud. Yeah. And the co-main event, Amari Akhmadov, former UFC light heavyweight, former ranked UFC light heavyweight when he left, he actually lost his debut via finish last year at the PFL championships has completely turned it around this season. Two finishes in his two fights has looked fantastic. Looks much better even than he looked in the UFC at the end there, but he's taking on Josh Silvera, one of the top prospects in all of MMA, former PFL challenger series veteran. Yep. And he's here he fought twice this season. Kind of, he's a fill-in though for the playoffs. Um, I can't remember who pulled out. Was it? Uh, Dude, everybody pulled now. out for the light heavyweights <laughs> because the I other know, fight it's... is two replacements. The other um, semifinal. So yeah. Yeah. So um, Josh Silvera though was the number now slips in to the playoffs here, and he's the favorite actually in the betting odds, Dom, which is uh, yeah. Kind of surprising. I mean, Amariak Madoff's looked very good, but Josh Silvera is the real deal, in my opinion. I'll be very curious to see how Silvera looks now that he's really getting tested here against a guy with, like, three times the amount of fights that he has. And um, to me, those are the two most intriguing matchups. No knock on Pettis Ray or Wilkinson Monte. The Wilkinson Monte fight may end up being the best fight on the card. It's just there's not a ton going into it that I'm like feeling one way or another on yeah yeah the other light heavyweight fight is going to be kind of like that banger at least on paper it should be where someone gets put away relatively early i do think oam and martinez probably my most anticipated followed by akmadov and silvera so just flip it then pettis um and stevie ray number three i I really want to see oam reach 
that full potential because it, you remember all the hype that he had when he came into the UFC as a young guy, um, kind of almost a similar kind of bring up to what um, Rory McDonald had where they were both coming out of Canada, super young. <laughs> yeah. So, but he never really quite did it in the UFC. He went seven and five for the few years he was there, but he's four and oh right now in the PFL. And now he has his chance to really get that crowning moment. Still only 33 years old. Martinez, like Noah said, is a stud in his own right, has won both fights as well. I think that's the most high-level fight. I think it may not be some super exciting one in the cage, but I think, again, just inside there, high-level stuff, someone's going to have to really implement a great game plan to get the win, so I'm really looking forward to that one. Dare I say, if I had to make a prediction, the winner of OAM and Martinez is the winner of the million dollars. That's I was about to say opinion. the same thing. I'm glad you said it. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So everybody, please check out the PFL playoffs on Friday. Um, I just, again, I, I think the PFL deserves, I, I know I shit on them hard for the challenger series, <laughs> but you know why I did it? It's because I, I, I knew that they're capable of much better. And I think they're showing that there's a lot of positive stuff kind of brewing there. I'm even interested in their little pay-per-view division thing that may be another challenger series, like some bullshit. <laughs> but I will say the only note that I heard about the PFLs, again, I'm assuming it's the president or CEO. I don't know. It's I don't know the title. Who, When he was on the MMA hour, I did see he said there have been talks with Chris Cyborg. So that could All be right. massive. That could be massive. Now, yes. Um, moving on, Dom. A little bit of recap action for your Thursday episode. Dana White's Contender Series, week one, bit of a dud outside of Joe Piper. Be Joe Piper, everybody. Right. If Joe Piper, Joe Piper needs some people who make some shirts and stuff that say be Joe Piper. We'll wear them on the show. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what a quote. But, Dominic, week one, Dana White pulls the classic, do you want to be a fighter? you know, like speech that he had way back in the day, Ultimate Fighter Season 1, the equivalent of that for the Contender Series. Apparently, he even had a second rah-rah speech in the back before Week 2 started with all the fighters on the card. My question for you, everybody's dying to know, did the words of Dana White get through to these guys in Week 2? I think that's putting it lightly. I think the words of (laughs) Dana White lit a fire under all of these fighters' asses because it was arguably, and I can't just go out there and say it was the best ever because there's been so many Contender Series episodes, it is one of the best single episodes of Dana White's Contender Series that we've ever seen. I mean, from top to bottom, five phenomenal, great, nonstop action fights. It was unbelievable. So many different skill sets were shown, durability, toughness, chin great hands great striking great grappling it was a variety of weight classes noah it's everything we want out of our baby on tuesday nights that's what last night was if you have not watched them yet um you need to go watch it did you see dana said that it was trending number two worldwide last night while the card was happening he said that has never happened before Mm -hmm. in the history of the season or if the show and it's season six week two that's crazy yeah, the show had never trended before. Yeah. And it was number two. I don't know if it was worldwide or if it was just in the U.S. Either way, it's a big deal. I just, yeah. for clarity, I, I don't remember. But that's awesome. And full credit. I mean, 
it felt like the best contender series car we ever got, but that's total recency bias. Yeah. And that really undersells how good this show has really been consistently mm-hmm. as far as the fights. And even look, I, I know that some of the guys that get these contracts, there's a bit of a, like I've even put, I got a bit of a stigma on these debutantes from the contender series. Cause they tend they're only winning at about a 50% clip, even a little less sometimes. But make no mistake about it, I mean, this show has been a great sort of upgrade from what you know the Ultimate Fighter used to bring, that kind of excitement and yeah. interest in these unknown guys, and they really give them a platform to share their stories, go in there and prove that they're worth the contract, and they already come in kind of on another playing field. It's like some Joe Piper, when he makes his next... His debut, which I believe is in October, he already signed on for that. Yeah, people are going to recognize that like, he's going to be a recognizable guy. When you know, before last week, nobody even remembered that he was the guy that nastily broke his arm on last season. Like, yep. he, the show does a lot for people, hundred percent. And week two was incredible. It was just an awesome card from top to bottom. Not a single fight that you can skip on this one. Four finishes and five fights, and the fight that went to distance was awesome as well. I mean, Francis Marshall and that winning uh, decision by the end of it just looked like he was. I mean, he was just feeling himself so yes. well. And you gotta give credit to Connor Matthews for taking that punishment. I mean, Dana even said he went to yep. the commission and Herb and said, "Hey, we might want to stop this." What has Dana ever said that? I know. And uh, really, I mean, the fights. Actually, I want to give a shout-out to Waldo Cortez Acosta. Did you hear? Former baseball player. Played for the Cincinnati Reds, our hometown team. And he got kicked off for fighting a teammate. So I'm totally rooting for him now. Absolutely, yes. Former Cincinnati Red. Like, I'm going to get a jersey with Cortez Acosta (laughs) on it. I mean, his first-round TKO, he looks very good. I will admit he looks a little green, but at heavyweight – it's kind of on a scale, right? Like it's yeah. uh, for heavyweight. I totally could see him coming in here and competing with a lot of these guys who, you know, are somewhat mm, unremarkable. I guess mm-hmm. is the word. But uh, the two guys that I think are getting a lot of the shine: the main event, Chris Duncan, Dude. pulls off what could only be compared to maybe like a Czech Congo Pat Berry level comeback. Yeah, uh, I believe he got dropped twice by Charlie yeah. Campbell, maybe even a third time. Was rocked multiple times. Um, looked like it was pretty much over. And then he lands one of the nastiest right hands. The sound of that right Fun. hand. Mm. I mean, the gif I used of Donald Trump. Re- I mean, I thought that was just a perfect way <laughs> yeah. to in yeah. the group chat. Just a little inside joke. But that's how I reacted was like a <laughs> – it yeah. startled me. Yeah. And then he follows it up with another one that literally puts him out. Incredible comeback. Uh, give him all the contracts. Look, I know Chris Duncan got knocked out by Slava Claus last season. He almost gets knocked out here. I'm not sure if I have much hope for him to like make a big splash in the UFC. But damn it, look at that entertainment. I mean, that's that's what I mean. That's what Dana White's been talking about. Like that yeah. kind of shit. Like. Even if you get fucking rocked, beat down, whatever, if you can come back, I mean, it's just amazing. And I will say, I agree with Dana. The guy that has shown the most potential on this episode, if I had to choose, 
Vinicius, Vinicius Salvador. Dude. I know Dana just called him Salvador. Uh, this guy, the flyweight division, we, we love the flyweight <sighs> division. We love when these prospects pop up for the flyweight division. I actually think Shannon Ross could get a roster spot, too. 100%. These guys were, talk, you, when we use the term swinging and banging, we typically are talking about Lewis Pavlovich heavyweights, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. These were flyweights doing some swinging and banging, and yeah. that was so fun to watch. Um, not the most technical of affairs, but, man, I mean, just pure. Here comes the meme again. Two guys put the x-ray up on them. They got that dog in them. Damn right. I mean, dude, and to have power like that at flyweight, too, is just insane. The dude's got 14 wins, 13 by knockout, one sub, 100% finish rate, trains with Amanda Hebos. That was her dad in his corner with him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And let me me ask you something about him because when I I looked, when I was seeing the tail of the tape, Salvador was listed at 5'7", Shan Ross was at 5'6". Did it not feel to you like Salvador was just much taller than that? And yeah. I, I mean, he looks like a real nightmare matchup for a lot of flyweights. Yeah, I don't know if it was Shannon Ross just looking more small or Salvador looking like a bantamweight. And I don't even know if it was really height, even though it looked like he was taller than an inch. But the reach, like his just his yeah, legs and true. arms are just so long. Uh, credit again, though, to Shannon Ross. He was able to find openings, especially into that second round. He had a lot of big moments in that mm-hmm. fight, too. Uh, but Salvador's just got a chin made of steel and just kept coming forward. I mean, this there's literally takeaways on every fight. Francis Marshall, from start to finish, to put on a performance like that for three rounds, closer in the beginning, but pulled away in rounds two and three. And he's only 23 years old, dude. And he really showed a full skill set, good wrestling, good ground and pound, great striking, really clean in and outs. And Connor Matthews, former Air Force guy, Francis Marshall's a firefighter. I mean, holy shit, this card just did everything for me, man. Billy Goff, got to give credit to him. He got knocked down and came back and won in the first round of his fight as well. I mean, every winner and even most of the losers deserve all their shine. We just can't let it go without mentioning their names. So basically, can Dana do that little speech like every week? Every week. Can he go back there and like get in their ass every week? I mean, please, just. It's back. I saw Robbie put out a Robbie Fox put out like a blog and said the contender series is back, baby. And I'm like, yeah. fuck yeah, Robbie. I'm like, well, and next back. week's the uh, Bo Nickel guy you were telling me Bo about. Nickel so week three, event. a lot of hype around it. It's Very be- interested, and I've been seeing a lot of people online talking about some other guys on that card. Yeah. So I think next week's going to be a big, just showcase. Hopefully. I'm going to have to eventually crack down and get a Contender Series shirt. I mean, I can't be the Contender Series guy and not own a Contender Series know, shirt. Sure. And I think there's a summer sale going on right now. I might go buy it after the show. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Week two was amazing. Yeah. See, that just shows what how we felt about it. Dominic's ready to buy the shirt, damn it. <laughs> yes, yes. Moving on to some fight announcements. And these are all just hot off the presses. I mean, most of these coming literally in the last few hours as we're recording Wednesday evening. Let's start with Bellator 286. October 1st, our new featherweight champion for like the fourth time in his career, (laughs) Patricio Pitbull, and AJ McKee will be fighting on this card, but not against one another. And not in the same weight class. (laughs) Patricio Pitbull will be defending his featherweight title for the first time of this reign against the number two ranked Adam Boric coming off of his just awesome fight of the year type 
especially for Bellator, their fight of the year for sure against uh, Mads Burnell. Yes. An awesome fight. And then the co-main event, AJ McKee making his debut at lightweight. And he's going up against Spike. Spike Carlisle. I mean, what is going on here, Dom? Never in my life did I think that fight announcement was going to be made. I never thought Spike Carlisle and, and AJ McKee would be matched up one another. What do you think of these two matchups? I know I know you're just itching to give oh. some love to Spike here. Oh, I got to insert some sort of Spike Dudley meme from WWE in this episode. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be right here. Um, this fight I think is super sick. Obviously there's tons of intrigue for AJ McKee moving up to lightweight to see how he fills out, which I would imagine he fills out relatively well. He was a big featherweight, but Spike Carlisle, man, having a career resurgence over there in Bellator, really been putting on great performances, fun fights, getting finishes. The dude is not afraid to swing and bang. He's not afraid to grapple it out on the ground. I mean, he does a little bit of everything. And A.J. McKee is about as polished a fighter as you can find over there in Bellator. I think that is a phenomenal fight. I'm shocked that they're giving like that kind of opportunity to Spike because he's not ranked in their rankings. But should he beat A.J. McKee, regardless of if he's coming up from featherweight, old Spike puts himself right into title contention for the 155-pound belt. So... That's a super fun fight. Pitbull versus uh, Boric is really fun as well, especially when you look at Adam's last fight. I think he could give Pitbull some problems, especially because it's later on in Pitbull's career. Mm-hmm. Those are two phenomenal main and coming events, Noah. Are you excited to see AJ McKee um, at lightweight? Are you disappointed we're not getting the trilogy fight? Where's your head at? I'm perfectly fine with them with them not doing the trilogy and him going up to lightweight. I think long-term... Yeah. It's probably the right call. He's probably not going to be able to make that weight cut too much longer. I would have hated to see it. What I would have hated more than anything is to see a trilogy bout that AJ McKee wins, and then he just vacate the title and right. go up. So um, I think you don't have to do a trilogy bout. That's why like, I'm kind of against like the Peña-Nunez trilogy and stuff. It's like Just because it's 1-1 doesn't mean you have to do a trilogy. Um, this one would have made sense because the first fight, I mean, AJ McKee pretty much, I mean, I don't want to say dominated, but he had an emphatic finish in round yeah. one. Round two, all of a sudden, it was like a 50-50 fight. It could have yeah. won either way. Both guys looking super even. So there was reason to do a third one, but I'm not losing sleep over it. Yeah. I hate to be that guy, Dom, because <laughs> you just gave a glowing review of that coming event. And, you know, our friend of the show, Spike Carlisle, yeah. who looked... <laughs> I love Spike. You know, the guy always puts on fun fights. I remember watching him against Billy Q back in the day. And well, I guess it was like two years ago, but <laughs> feels like it was a, a great fight. And that made, I kind of put both guys on my radar. <clears throat> Obviously Spike had some tough losses, had to move on to Bellator. Um, I don't love the co-main event. I don't love the matchup. I, I hate, I hate it. I hate to do it to you, Dom. Oh, you're good. Because I know we can have a difference of opinion, but what I, I just I'm not opposed. Like I'm, I love the idea of Spike getting a big fight, but he's unranked, and yeah, it's just it's a questionable it's questionable matchmaking for Bellator, and what and that's what they always do. Like Usman Nurmagomedov 
is ranked like number one at lightweight has never fought a ranked fighter. Yeah. I yeah. mean, what? Yeah. yeah. He's begged them to give him a ranked fighter and they won't do it. I, yeah. I don't get it. Um, so this kind of feels like, because I believe this, I don't remember where they said this card's taking place, but it's AJ McKee's like hometown or home state or mm, something okay. like that. So this feels like a showcase fight. I yeah. feel like our boy Spike, he is as fun of a fighter as he is. He can be a bit of a punching bag, a bit uh, susceptible to punishment. Obviously, he kind of takes one to give one, and against such a high level fighter in AJ McKee, I just think this is purely set up to kind of guarantee a win for that home crowd. Sort of what Justin Kish was put up to do against Ali Malay McFarland. We all know how that one turned out. So what? How crazy it could be! Just like Justin Kish. Yeah. What if Spike Carlisle wins this fight and they still put AJ McKee above him in the rankings? I mean, that would just be beautiful. Oh wow! Yeah, I, Long Beach Cali, shout out AJ yeah. McKee. Yeah, it really does make you wonder. Like if Spike can't. I, I'm very curious to see when is this October first. I'm yeah. curious to see what the betting odds opening up will be like uh, on um, this fight. I would say it may not be as much as it would have been if McKee wasn't coming off a loss, and I yeah. guess it is because he's in a new weight class. I, don't get me wrong. I'm going to be excited because I support Spike Carlisle, and he's a fun fighter to watch. And A.J. McKee is just one of the brightest and best that Bellator has to offer. And yeah. Even in all of MMA, he's a fun fighter to watch. It's just weird matchmaking, in my opinion, and I, right. and I hate to be that guy. But you wish, like, AJ was getting put up against probably, like, but a top Dom, five guy. Dom, I feel like I'm pissing in your Cheerios a little bit. No, like no, it bit, really no. does make sense. A guy with AJ McKee's caliber on, like, should be put up with the top five Like, guys. he should be fighting Usman Nurmagomedov. Yeah, a guy like, like that to- or... Uh, or Tofik Musayev. Yes, exactly. And one of those guys should get a title fight. Like, that's who he should be fighting. That's what the UFC would probably try to do. Right. Not to, like, you know, I, I'm not trying to downplay Bellator and hype up yeah. the UFC like they need it. Yeah. But to their credit, the UFC typically, <laughs> Hamzat and Diaz notwithstanding, eh, or Jan <laughs> O'Malley notwithstanding, been some weird ones lately, but typically they're big on like matching people up at where they stand in the moment. You know, There's yeah. not a whole lot of showcase fights given in the UFC. And here, I just worry that's what we're getting. I don't know if I should be worried about it because, I mean, at the end of the day, if he wins, if he wins in emphatic fashion, it's going to be exciting. If Spike Carlisle somehow is able to even show more than we're expecting, then, I mean, that could make it even more fun. Mm -hmm. I sort of expect him to, if I'm being honest. Like, A.J. McKee, as good as he is, you know, I could totally see Spike Carlisle coming in here and kind of having some success early and people are like, well, shit, wait a minute. Yeah, and then maybe AJ McKee round two, round three really puts it on him. I don't know. That's kind of how I feel. So we'll see. I think it's it's the fight I'm talking. I'm talking about it more than the main event. So obviously it uh, it means something, right? They're doing something right. Very true. Um, October fifteenth, two weeks later, the UFC will be holding a fight night event uh, location TBD. Probably going to be at the Apex somewhere in the Midwest. Um, yeah, hopefully, preferably. It's fine. And that, that would be. Uh, that would be in character for Askar Askarov because he was at UFC Columbus and he'll be looking to bounce back maybe again in <laughs> UFC Columbus. Yeah. UFC Columbus 2 as he will be taking on as the number four ranked flyweight, Raw Dog Roy Val. 
Brandon Royval, ranked number five. Obviously, we're big Raw Dog fans on the show. This is a banger of a fight. And Askar Askarov, I have a feeling, is coming back with a vengeance. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. These are guys that really have like a nonstop style of pacing. You know, obviously, Askar's the best wrestler on paper in this division, but with Raw Dog, he's so unique and dynamic and explosive but he's good on the ground has slick submissions and i know that it always doesn't work out with the bjj versus the wrestling and vice versa but it really does feel like it should be a fun fight i mean Ascar's fight with kaikar france was a lot more fun than i think people kind of expected going into it so if that's anything to go off of raw dog's never been in a boring fight so he's gonna bring it to Ascar. you would imagine unless he games playing a lot differently because of that wrestling. Uh, but it's number four versus number five. Guys, you know, looking to really get back on track. Raw Dog, I think, is coming off of a win, but before that was on a skid. I can't remember either or. And then Ascar is obviously won, coming off of a loss. He's won back-to-back. He beat uh, – he submitted Matt Schnell, I think, at UFC 274. Oh, you're and right. Before he that, beat, he uh, a decision Bondren. win. Yep, Rogerio Bontrain, yep. which – not to cut you off, but I will just say is my concern for Roy Val in this fight, where he was getting beat by Bonterin, was the strength. The strength difference was just a big problem for him. He True. still was able to do enough to win, mostly out of just a higher output and obviously the creativity of his game. But against Askarov, who's a much better fighter right now than Bonterin is, and especially at flyweight, much more comfortable there. I worry about the strength difference. You know, Roy Val, very good submissions, like you said. Very good off his back. But if he has a guy like Askarov holding him down, I don't know if he'll be able to find those openings or be able to scramble or roll his way out due to the strength difference. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, I think Roy Val is so dynamic that if this fight stays on the feet, I'd be very curious to see how that looks. Kai Car France, obviously had a lot of success with the power shots on the feet. I wonder how Roy Val, more of his slick sort of finesse style would do. Um, I hope for a fun fight. Should be a fun fight. We'll just have to see. Because Askar Askarov, you just never know. That style, that's so, it's punishing. It's it's exhausting. Not always the most fun to watch, though. It's just the, yeah. the way it goes sometimes. Yep. Um, next one. This one is not official yet, but we had to talk about it. It's a big story going around everywhere right now. UFC 281, it appears. Again, unconfirmed. This also could be happening at uh, presumably 282 come December. But as of now, the, the date that seems to be getting pinned in, November 12th, UFC 281 at Madison Square Garden. We have our feature bell, hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully they put two title fights on top of this. But a massive fight added to this card in the lightweight division. Dustin Poirier, we're still waiting for him to come back from his title fight loss to Charles Oliveira. And he'll do it just under a year later against Michael Chandler. I mean, if we could... I mean, honestly, this might even be better than getting Poirier Diaz. I haven't decided yet. But the fact that we can't get that... This feels like a great consolation. What do you think, Dom? Yeah, 100%. When you look at the lay of the land, this is the fight to make with all the puzzle pieces and where they are because we know that Nate is now matched up with Hamzat. 
Uh, Justin Gaethje's out with the nose surgery and injury. Chandler's available. Dustin's available. They had that little scuffle at International Fight Week. It all just kind of makes sense. My only gripe, and I have to bring it up here, and maybe it's just it is probably just a timing thing because September is right around the corner now because we're in August. But I really wish this could have happened as the co-main event to Chimaya and Diaz. More so only because I get it. That's a huge main event. It's going to do a lot of buys. But the undercard isn't looking too good right now, guys. So I just think that would have been a perfect co-main. But what do I know? I'm just the guy that sits here with my face and talks into a microphone. But Poirier Chandler in Madison Square Garden. Two fan favorites in terms of their personalities. Two fan favorites in terms of their fight style. What better place to put it than in MSG, where Chandler also had a fight last year against Justin Gaethje, and we know how that fight was. So it's a sick fight stylistically, uh, rankings-wise, where they are in their career. Like, every little thing just seems to make sense, except for the timing. But again, who am I to complain about a super stat card? Because like Noah said, it's probably going to have two title fights. The rest of the card's probably going to be really good. And now you're going to add this? I mean, come on, guys. That's that's insane. MSG cards are always nuts. This one could be really big this year. I think it's fair to complain about UFC 279 right now. Where's the fight announcements for that? Because there ain't none. There's I'm one not fight. Saying, <laughs> I'm not saying that this fight, like, I get, like you're saying, the timing. Like, we, yeah. they probably weren't, those two guys probably didn't want to fight in September. It's a very yeah. quick, it's upcoming. But okay, then who is? Because. <laughs> Not to take away from this fight, because that's what we're really talking about, but UFC 279 a bit bare. Yeah. I mean, that that main event, don't get me wrong, it's a big deal, but also, like, not our favorite fight in the world. And by putting that there, it means no title fights. So, yeah, you know. It feels like the UFC's like, let's get Nate out of contract, let's give Hamzat busy, and let's just take the rest of the month off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Um, what is the co-main on that right now? Is it like some Aspen Lad fucking Norma Dumont fight or something? Like what's you going on you there? give me another minute of talking points and I'll find <laughs> it for you. Um, no, this fight is fantastic. It's so weird though, Dominic, because these feel like two of the most likable guys in our entire sport: Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler. They seem like the best dudes out there. But they fucking hate each other. It's like, I wish we could all be friends, but at the same time, I love that we're getting this fight. So, like, it's going to be awesome. Well, when you look at that scuffle from International Fight Week, but it goes back so much further. Because when Michael was being brought into the UFC, Dustin felt like he was being treated as kind of the golden boy, this new kind of shiny toy that the UFC was going to experiment with. Kind of felt disrespected. He got given the um, opportunity, obviously it didn't happen, but to weigh in and be an alternate for the title (laughs) fight. Uh, before obviously Dustin was able to get his title fight against Charles Oliveira so there was just a lot of things that just like tension that was being built between the two they have mentioned each other's names and interviews and stuff and then it all kind of accumulated together at that scuffle I can only imagine what was said and now we're hopefully going to see it all get fought out in the cage by the way just so you know the top two fights behind um, Normandy Bond is on that card. Did you say that or Aspen Lad? Anyway, I said both of them. <laughs> okay, underneath of Hamza and Nate Diaz again, ladies and gentlemen, this is UFC 279 off topic. But as of right now, according to Sherdog, shout out Sherdog, Irene Aldana, Macy Chasson, and Johnny Walker and Young Kudalaba. Those are the two fights below that fight at UFC 279. <clears throat> What's the next last one? one? Last one here. So this is last and certainly least, but 
it's stacked fight announcements here, and it's a good one. This December third. That blew my mind when you sent that to me. I don't know why. We're getting fight announcements. We're get, we're heading into December twenty twenty two. We're heading into winter again. What's going on here? I know, man. Tracy Cortez, ranked number fourteen at women's flyweight. Mrs. Ortega, getting there. I don't know. It felt better in my head than it did coming out, but she's ranked number fourteen in division and staying committed to this run at women's flyweight. Amanda Hebus just lost her number fifteen spot to Molly McCann, actually, um, but she is zero and one in the division. Had a really good fight with Caitlin Chukagian. That in itself was a was a. Oh, I'm not gonna say. <laughs> but, uh, that in itself was a little surprising, but yeah. Amanda Hebus. Always felt like she fit very well at strawweight, but she seems committed to this run at flyweight. How are you feeling, Dom? It's kind of the Amanda Hebus, uh, you know, you're the stand here of the Amanda <laughs> yeah. Hebus. Like, are you somewhat disappointed that she's not going to go back to strawweight because you might feel like she might be better suited there? Or are you cool with her kind of, for now at least, it appears being committed to this run at 125? Yeah, I mean, maybe it just comes as like an opportunity thing and she's just kind of willing to do whatever because let us not forget, she's the number 10 ranked strawweight in the world, but this is going to be her second consecutive fight at flyweight at 125 pounds. Granted, and I was a huge supporter of her going into that fight with UK game, but it just felt like on paper it was a fight meant for her to lose. She arguably won that fight. I mean, they fought tit for tat for three straight rounds. It was, it was very, very close. close. Yeah, split decision, so... Here she is again doing 125. Technically, I guess it's her third time because she had that fight with Paige Van Zandt a few years ago there. But these are two legitimate contenders now, a super very well-rounded prospect in Tracy Cortez, but definitely the biggest jump up competition-wise because she made relatively easy work of Melissa Gatto, which I that surprised me a bit. I still believe in Melissa Gatto, but Tracy looked pretty good in that fight. Mm. Nothing to write home about, but this one... Amanda Hebos is legit. Again, number 10 at 115. I think she can be a threat at 125 as well. I don't know if she fits there more long-term than 115, but I think this is a fun fight, someone that's going to bring it to Cortez, which she hasn't really had too much outside of Gatto. So we'll see if she can pass that test and if Hebos can get back into the top 15, even though she doesn't have any wins over current top 15, but it's fine. Yeah, I like the fight, though. I really do. I think Amanda Hebos is in a great spot, if I'm being honest with you. And here's why. It obviously could get a little more dicey if she loses here, but she looked great against Caitlin yes. Chukagian. And who really has looked that good against her? I mean, obviously, Valentina beat Caitlin. Jessica yeah, that Andrade is a beat Caitlin. But, yeah. you know, you look at the rest of these women who have tried and failed. And, yes, maybe some of them, like I um, – um, Vivian. Vivian, thank you, yeah. Aruyujo. I thought won that fight with Chukagian, but it, it wasn't a fight that was very good. So it was yeah. like kind of wishy-washy. That fight, he was brought that fight to Chukagian, sort yeah. of forced her into a firefight. It was awesome. Yeah, I personally, I think I had bet on Chukagian by decision, so I, I definitely had some betting bias, so I'm not even going to tell you. Like Obviously, I scored it for Chukagian. I mean, <laughs> I can't help myself. Right. <laughs> but... Amanda Hebus comes over unranked, was only ranked number 10 at strawweight, immediately takes on the number one contender, loses but looks very good, and now she's getting number 14 because she is unranked in the division. I think this is a great setup for her to potentially do some damage here. Maybe yeah. uh, 
Because yes. Cortez could be a slight favorite. And I think Amanda Hebas, like, has shown that, I mean, she's kind of want, potentially a top five in this division just simply off the fact that she gave Chukagian such a tough fight. Yeah. It yeah. remains to be seen. I worry she could be a li- I don't think she'll be – she won't be undersized against Tracy. Tracy Cortez isn't a big True. flyweight. But I do worry about her longevity in terms of, you know, however long Valentina stays around, Chukagian, obviously. Like, I just worry about the size difference of some of these bigger 125ers because Amanda never felt like a massive 115. Yeah. But um, I like this matchup for her especially. And for Tracy, you know, you got to stay active. That's been kind of her issue for a while. I don't know if she had injuries or whatnot that had piled up, but uh, she's back now. She's looking good. She's obviously kind of got a fan favorite, you know, a lot of fans behind her. Mm -hmm. Um, Now it's just time for her to kind of put it all together and see if she can really be that, like, the future of the division. Because we've talked a lot about the future of this division, Dom. Yep. Tracy Cortez ain't typically who we're talking about. So Yeah, yeah. but I think both these ladies could be the future of the division. I think it'll be a great fight. That's why I kept it on here. Because even though it's last and least, but I think it's certainly could in the future not feel like, you know, the, the black sheep of this group of fight announcements. Absolutely. Let's get on into the rest. And all these come from UFC Vegas 59 at the Apex, of course, in Las Vegas, Nevada. I kind of forgot to mention that earlier. Co-main event. Vicente Luque is back, coming off of his disappointing showing in his first main event against Bilal Muhammad. He's taking a step back. He's fighting Jeff Neal. Jeff Neal in an interesting spot in his career, coming off a win against Santiago Ponzinibbio at UFC 269 back in December of 2021. But before that, Dom had back-to-back losses that really didn't inspire a lot of confidence. Uh, Steven Thompson, who kind of just put on a a clinic against him. And then after that, Neil Magny and what was a pretty uh, disappointing showing for Neil, uh, Jeff Neil, that is. Yeah. Um, tell me, it, it just feels like Jeff Neil's momentum has just never been able to get back to where it was ever since he had that very serious, uh, was it a case of COVID or what was it? He was like, he like nearly died. Like Yeah, uh, something happened with when his... We start, when we started the podcast, he was like on his deathbed at one point. Yeah, some sort of like, I don't even know if it was like a bacteria infection and what all kind of happened. He was really down for the count for a while. And it is so unfortunate because he looked great when he won on the Contender Series. He's a Contender Series OG from back in yeah. 2017, one of the first ones. Um, looked great. I mean, he has a 6-2 and two record in the UFC, but those biggest fights, the Neil Magny, the Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, you know, he did get outclassed for the most part and didn't show too much. So, yeah, he's coming off of a win against Ponzinibbio. Very close fight, though. It was a split decision. And Vicente Luque, I, when I was taking notes, I looked at his record. 14-4, and four, by the way, in the UFC for Luque. Jeff Neal's 14-4 and four overall. So experience, obviously, in Luque's favor, as we would expect. And he's the younger guy, which is crazy. Luque will lose. He'll win four or five in a row, lose. Then tally off another three, four, five in a row. So he's coming off of a loss. Are we going to see Luke get back in charge and get back to a potential title shot? We shall see. I, I don't know. Coming into this, I just feel like on paper, it feels like a fight Luke wins because wherever this fight goes, I have to give the slight edge to Luke. I mean, power. Obviously, Jeff Neal is super powerful. Maybe like in terms of kicks, Jeff Neal has better like head kicks and whatnot. 
But Luke's got good hands, legit power, great jujitsu, great grappling. I mean, he really is a Swiss Army knife, and he's always just been underrated. And it sucks that he got that main event slot against Muhammad and kind of laid a dud. So it didn't really help him showcase all of those skills that like hardcore fans know that he has. This feels like a fight where he can let those showcase a little bit more. So I think it's a tough fight for Jeff Neal, but the UFC has given him an opportunity to crack back in, even with kind of the skid that he's been on lately. So it's a huge fight for Neal to make a statement. Luke obviously has to win to just stay in the contender talk. So what are you kind of thinking in terms of this fight? Yeah, it's I, – I don't put too much into the Muhammad loss. I think Bilal Muhammad just put on a great performance. He did. He uh, did. But there is also – yeah, but, like, you're also right, though. Like, Luke just really didn't look himself. And, sure, I guess you've got to give a lot of credit to Muhammad for that. I do think Muhammad could have did much better in certain areas, like on the feet, than I thought he would. But um, I don't put too much on that. Like, I'm not – worried about Luke maybe falling off a cliff here. Uh with Jeff Neal though, I'm just I'm well I I remember UFC two forty, headlined by Frankie Edgar fighting for Max Holloway's featherweight title. Kind of a you know, whatever card. Yeah. But opening that pay per view, I believe, was Jeff Neal Mike Perry. And yeah. Jeff Neal looked fucking phenomenal. So That's good. the fight where Mike Perry's nose was like off his face basically. It was like Mr. Potato Head type shit. Yeah. And it's like his nose, like it's like when you take the potato head nose and put it in the ear. That yeah. was Mike Perry at yeah. the end of that fight, um, and it was like a minute and a half. I mean, it was a destruction at its finest. And since then, you know, he had the serious recovery he had to go through. He just hasn't looked the same. Now he's been fighting better, higher level competition. Stephen Thompson, look, I mean, that's one of the best strikers the division has ever seen. Yeah, Neil Magny. An absolute mainstay at the top of this division. Ponzinibbio, another guy who's kind of not at his peak, but still very competitive. Has yeah. been, I mean, really hanging around the top 10, top 12 for a long time. When I look at this fight, though, Dom, even if you take out stylistically, Vicente Luque is ranked number six in the division. Arguably a top five guy. You know, just he's right there. He's he's a elite welterweight in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Does Jeff Neal really feel like a guy who's ready to make a splash into the top six, top five of this division? I just I know. don't see it. Yeah. And if he comes out here and shows it, I'll eat the crow. I'll come yeah. on here Monday and say that I was wrong. But he would have to basically he, he had to kind of tune into a lot of um, what he was showing me back two years, three years ago yeah. when he was on the come up and he was just putting people away with some massive speed, power combinations. This is a guy that was working. What was the, the job he was working at? He was like, uh, he was working in fast food. like um, Oh, like coming through, through like water. on the contender and stuff? Yeah, wow. yeah. Like he, so, you know, this is a guy that I want to root for. And, yeah. you know, not that I want to root against Luke. Luke is one of my favorite fighters. It's just... I'm not quite seeing – like, I feel like the ceiling is sort of being put on Jeff Neal, and I'm thinking it might be right where he's at. Yeah, I see that. I do. So, Dominic, I have some more fights on our sheet, but I want to kind of open the floor to you. Since UFC Vegas 59 is going to have a lot of fights that uh, 
fighters on this card that people are too familiar with, a lot of debuts on this card. Um, is there any sort of fight or fighter that you're really tuning in for on these prisms on this undercard and that you think the audience should tune in for as well? I mean, it's not... Take the easy one, Dom. No, 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 I'm not. Um, it really is a card with some, like, diamonds in the rough, dare I say. Um, I actually think that a potential fight of the night on this card is going to be uh, Ariane Lipsky and Priscilla Cachoeira. Mm, I think that this fight could be super fun. And I know that you don't have the best relationship with Priscilla, so you don't even have to comment <laughs> on this fight after the bet slip that you had with her. But she is someone, I mean, she's the zombie girl, right? That's what they call her for a reason. And she's always in fun fights, kind of a kill or be killed attitude. And much can be said for Ariane Lipsky, kind of the same manner. Really good submissions. Remember that knee bar from a couple years ago? Man. That may have even been in 2020, our debut year of the podcast. Yes, it was. It was. Um, yeah. So she's always in fun fights. She's still getting better. Like, I believe that her ceiling is higher. I mean, she's five years younger as well, only 28 years old. But I actually really think Lipsky could be like a fringe like top 15 top 10 in that weight class if she can put everything together but this fight is gonna be fun it really is gonna be fun i i you can't you don't come into many fight nights with a potential target as you know this women's fight is gonna outdo some of these you know big fights or even like you know a Ter terrence mckinney should be a fun fight that we're gonna talk about in a second but i really think this has potential especially if it goes the course of three rounds be up there noah for the fight of the night discussion and i even am going to be kind of siding with someone come the average bet slip on friday afternoon interesting interesting so i was actually being serious for you to, i thought you like i was telling you to take terrence mckinney because we also have oh. the ultimate fighter stuff so right that's why i was saying i wasn't saying that to be sarcastic like oh you're gonna take the easy one but uh, it is kind of the obvious one, right? Terrence McKinney uh, is on this card, taking on Eric Gonzalez. I will mention, though, it's interesting. You think Ariana Lipsky could be that kind of top 15, top 10? I think that's interesting only because at one time I saw that for, like after the knee bar, which was just yep. vicious on Luena, Carolina. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. But then she followed that up with eggs. I mean, Antonina yep. Shevchenko outgrappled her and pummeled her via TKO. And yep. then Montana De La Rosa did the same thing. Two good opponents, you know. Don't get me wrong, Montana De La Rosa, we we definitely think is very good. And right. Antonia Shevchenko, inconsistent, but still good fighter. Right. I just uh, to me that really, really told me that Lipsky's, you know, she born UFC, like it kind of set that maybe I shouldn't put those kind of expectations on her. Right. But but she is a, a much more technical fighter than Priscilla Cachoeira. To me, my only concern is that if uh, Cachoeira is just as committed as she was against Ji Yun Kim for kind of that showing off her zombie girl traits and being that kind of, you know, missing on 75% of her shots, but, you know, just going nuts and hitting <laughs> those other 25%. I mean, Ariana Lipsky... Two losses via KOTKO, like I just mentioned, and yep. um, those were not best. So I do think it's a risky fight to put money on, but I understand uh, if Ariane Lipsky can stay composed, even get this fight to the ground, 
it's going to be a tough night for uh, Priscilla Cachoeira. Yeah. I will mention Terrence McKinney, Eric Gonzalez. Um, Terrence McKinney, a huge favorite. Minus like 900. Yeah, that's um, insane, just, man. It's a bit insane. It's a, it's a bit inflated. Now, Eric Gonzalez has only fought one time in the UFC, and he got knocked out by Jim Miller. And Jim Miller is obviously terrific. Not necessarily known for knocking guys out, although he has been doing that a lot, it seems, as of late. Damn right. Um, so it's a tough, a really tough draw for Eric Gonzalez. I mean, you're making your debut against Jim Miller. You lose that via knockout. And then the UFC goes, how about Terrence McKinney, who nearly <laughs> yeah. the only guy to ever drop Drew Dober, uh, nearly put him out cold. Ended up losing that fight, actually. What a wild one-round fight that was. But just, yeah. I love that fight. But Terrence McKinney has been, I mean, this dude's a stud, has never went the distance in his entire career. Yeah. Uh, before the Drew Dober loss, had a seven-second knockout of Matt Frivola in his debut. Gets a submission in the first round of Ferris Ziam. Mm-hmm. I love Terrence McKinney. This should be a showcase. What I really want to see, Dom, Terrence McKinney get a really good showing here. And Eric Gonzalez, don't get me wrong, 14-6, and six, eight wins via um, KOTKO. Like, I, he even has five – he's went five and three in decisions, so he's been the distance even more. If this fight goes longer, could get interesting. I'm not counting him out necessarily, but obviously I'm a big fan of Terrence McKinney. So I'm just saying if he does come in here and put on a hell of a show, I want to hear that call out. Call out Patty Pimblett. Do it. It, it seems it. like we that could be it. big. Yeah. We got to yeah. see that. New York City, that would be – I just love that for both guys to get that kind of platform. Absolutely. But I will just mention before we move on, season 30 of The Ultimate Fighter. It's came. It's went. The coaches just fought. Last week, of course, Amanda yeah. Nunes picking back up her bantamweight belt over Juliana Pena in the rematch. So we had two different weight classes for this season: women's flyweight and um, heavyweight. Uh, excuse yep. me. And the final matchups are set, Tom. So Muhammad Usman, the brother of Kamaru, will be taking on Zach Palga, and then Brogan Walker taking on Juliana Miller. Now I got to ask you. If you remember, when the, when the coaches got announced, when the season start dates got announced that we sort of talked about on this show, I was being the, myself, the curmudgeon. I was being kind of the negative Nancy. I was saying, like, who watches this shit anymore? I'm like, why is it still on? Who cares? Nunez and Pena, that ain't gonna, who cares about that fight, right? And you yeah. were like, no, I, I, I really like The Ultimate Fighter. I like watching it. I think Nunez and... You said Nunez and Pena were better for a seat. You would rather watch them as coaches than Habib and Tony. I mean, you were just, you were all about it. Now tell me, Dominic, as you stand here today, how many episodes of this season did you watch of The Ultimate Fighter? <laughs> oh, for, for, I forgot. We have audio listeners. Uh, I didn't watch an episode this year. So, I mean, my <laughs> how to turn tables. <laughs> I think the Pauls made it better for the audio listeners. Uh, and no, you cannot be faulted for this because I was the one who said this. Now, who watched the entire season of The Ultimate Fighter and has two thumbs? This guy right here. Look at that, man. You gotta love it. Look, I don't know what to tell you guys. I somehow got swooned in, got swooped in. I, I just, I think one night I was on ESPN Plus and the new episode had posted and I was sitting there and I was like, yeah, what? 
just turn it on. Let me hit play. Yeah. And you know, it's great, like, filler entertainment. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't think anybody needs to go out of their way. I don't think it's must-see TV. Um, it is exciting when you have these final matchups. Like, you know, they, these are ultimately prospects earning a contract in the UFC. Especially this season, Muhammad Usman kind of feels like, you know, Kamar's brother. It kind of adds a little something to it. But um, I would never say, like, at this point, tough is not must-see TV, in my opinion. But I will say I've enjoyed what I've watched of this season. It's very formulaic. It's a bit repetitive. But if the fights deliver, then it's kind of worth it. And this season, there was some pretty good fights. And um, because of that, I didn't have a hard time watching it. I think I I started watching it live around like week four or five. So, you know, I, I, I got caught up right away on the first couple weeks and then rest of the way they posted them at midnight on tuesdays and i was watching them the next day so it, it's uh it surprised myself i even started going back and watching old seasons of the ultimate fighter just to kind of more familiarize myself again you know i love being kind of a historian dominic so yeah. um in all aspects of mma i try to dig into the history as much as i can of course my whole mission to watch every season of the ultimate fighter much like my other missions and uh, you know, when I try to watch, do these improbable like watch throughs of all these things, it, it kind of failed, but because yep. I've already stopped. But it was a fun few weeks while it lasted. Um, I don't have a feeling. I don't have too strong of a feeling about either of these fights. I will say, I, I get both matchups are somewhat similar to me. Basically, if you look at what I have written on the sheet here, the left side is the person more polished, more proven. Muhammad Usman fought in PFL previously. Brogan Walker, 7-1 in her MMA career. And then first on the right, who is like a complete wild card. Zach Palga's looked good in this season, but he's 5-0, and has fought almost entirely for LFA, I believe, and has four and five fights. Like for heavyweight, that's kind of crazy. And then Juliana Miller is two and one, and yeah. two and her two wins are via submission. She's looked good this season. I think she's super green, so I'm kind of siding with the probably favorites. I'm assuming Usman and Walker are the favorites. Uh, I'm sure I would see it if I had not just missed it, but um, I'm leaning that way pretty strongly on both fights. But it just feels like the other side is like complete wild cards. So. Um, that's kind of all I have to say about the fights. I know you guys are probably like, who cares? But Dominic, I do just want to ask you, like, what is it? Does it? Do you still like? It's, does it feel, still mean something to win a season of the Ultimate Fighter? Yeah, real quick, I thought it was funny you said that about the two experienced fighters. Usman and Walker are both the underdogs going in to the finale matchups, oh. which I, which uh... I think is hilarious. But to be fair, that's my mystique as the <laughs> I am the worst uh, sports better of all time. So <laughs> I just thought that was funny and had to say it out there. But listen, I, I have loved the Ultimate Fighter. When you look at it, it's just nostalgic and how important season one was, and season by season, as with all reality TV, but especially in a formula like this, it gets repetitive. So I was excited going into the season, and look at me—I haven't watched an episode. I'm such an ugly, disgusting hypocrite. I know. <laughs> Don't dislike the video, though. Boost the algorithm. Give it a thumbs up. But I, I, 
it just doesn't i don't know like you for example one of last year's winners brian battle is on the prelims of this car damn it you are taking you're taking a joke i was gonna throw in later Uh, can i tell you what i was gonna do can i tell you what i was gonna do just take the floor now it's kind of (laughs) ruined i thought to go on this spiel about how it does still mean something to win the ultimate fighter and it's still important and we should still kind of you know uh, treat these guys as like legit prospects when they win the show and then I was going to be like yes and it's kind of funny how one of last season's winners is actually lower on the card than the two yeah. fights that are competing for this season so yeah uh, <laughs> and that's a good point to it would have been it would it would it would have been very funny I promise yeah. but it's okay yeah, go ahead. <laughs> sorry I stole your thunder there but no, that's it's all right um so like you know it's imp- you get your trophy you're the ultimate fighter but at the end of the day the ultimate fighter at one time was huge, but it walked so that on Tuesday nights, the contender series can run. I mean, you just that had to bring is up what, contender series again. I had to do it. That is what it feels like to be modern day. A win on the contender series means a lot more than what currently what it means to win the ultimate fighter. That's how I feel right and, now. And that's it's so lopsided because the Ultimate Fighter, you're competing for a whole season. You're <laughs> locked in a house with yeah. all these people. You're yeah. fighting three times to win. Fender um, Series, you fight one time and you get a contract. So yeah. I love when Dana's like, yeah, we're in the war room and we're deciding who are these guys going to go. Are they going to the Contender Series or the Ultimate Fighter? And I'm like, do you go off if you don't like them or not? Do you go off if they fucked your girlfriend? Like... What makes you decide who goes on the ultimate fighter? Because yeah. to me, that's like getting the short end of the stick. Like, I just imagine being a fighter and you get a call from the UFC and they're like, hey, we want to bring you in as like a prospect. And you're like, oh, sweet. And they're like, yes, we want you to go to the ultimate fighter. And they're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, do you have any openings on that Tuesday show? Like, <laughs> right. Oh, right. we actually have our season booked already, but we think you'd be a great fit this season. We're going to have uh, Tony Ferguson and. Habib is going to lose a few more pounds and he's going to be the coach as well. And uh, Dominic's going to be really excited about it. Right. And this guy's like, oh, actually, I think I'll pat. Can you just call me when the next season of. I'll go to Cage Fury. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I still, I think it's watchable entertainment. I think it's good enough. You know, I don't see it. It just kind of, it's just another thing in this freaking UFC machine. It's so massive at this point that, like, I get it. I get why. And I, I totally see that Dana is still invested and committed to it. He's probably the only one. I mean, yeah. he, he's, he feels like the only guy. And I know he's the promoter. I know he's the, the, the guy that should be hyping this stuff up. But he feels like the only one who still like gives a shit about the ultimate fighter. But I understand why. You know, He's a very loyal guy. And this whole platform, this format, saved his company back in the day. So his baby i get it um but yeah that's that's it for ufc Vegas 59 i will just say sam alvey also making perhaps his final appearance in the ufc against mikhail oliechik and uh i believe sam alvey looking to snap an eight fight on eight fight winless streak winless streak thank you uh, there was a draw in there to dot jung so that should be interesting. Um, so there's some interesting storylines throughout the card. Brian Battle, Takashi Sato. Brian Battle going down to 170. I think that's an interesting oh, wow. um, okay. note. 
Takashi Sato didn't look too good against Gunnar Nelson at London. So, yeah. but Takashi Sato also a guy who's looked okay at times. So, um, also I will mention, you know, Sergei Spivak, the polar bear. I like him. But Augusto Sakai's kind of, they feel like they're in similar places. That feels like a fight that's not going to go to distance. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. There's some, there's some good stuff on here, but it's, a lot of it's hard to really put into like a preview, you know? It's yeah, just, like storyline uh, perspectives and yeah, stuff. But, yeah. yeah. So let's move on to the below average bed slip, and uh, we got some bad news for you guys. Uh, but it's there's there's a there's a there's a wrench. Well, I was gonna say there's god damn it a rainbow. A, I was gonna say there's a rainbow at the end of the rainbow, but that doesn't make any sense. Like this, there's a pot of gold at the end of the yeah, rainbow. Yeah, but but how? But if this if it's bad news that has a happy ending, is it? There's no rainbow because it's a bad news. Okay. So, anyways. <laughs> the below average bet slip. We will we will not be previewing any of our bets here today. Um, unfortunately, um, our sports book friends, uh, DraftKings, FanDuel, did not quite have everything that we usually have. A lot of the props and stuff just weren't ready to go. And with that, I think this is going to be kind of a, a, a just a slight change to how we kind of do our betting stuff on here, anyways. So we're not going to put it in today's episode, obviously. You're not going to see any graphic or anything of the, the bets. Um, we will still put those on our social media, which, again, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, at BAJ underscore MMA podcast, as well as TikTok. I mean, they probably won't be on TikTok, but Dominic might be able to find a way. I don't know. Never know. But um, basically, we'll still post those on Friday. We'll still have, you know, a bevy of bets, I'm sure, and I'm sure I will lose all of them. A bevy but of then, money. <laughs> but uh, what we're going to do is on our recaps, we will still do more of an in-depth in the episode. Look, <laughs> did you spill? You I dropped my dis- cap. Okay, you looked very disappointed. <laughs> but uh, on, on our Monday recaps, we will still do like the full breakdown of kind of how we did. Um God, Dom, like, can I you just... It. My chair was stuck. <laughs> Sorry. Um, we'll still go over everything, all the action, what we won, what we lost, you know, all that. Um, and I just hope this is an incentive to follow us on social media. If you actually care about the picks, if you want to compare what we're doing to what you guys are doing, if you want to check out Dom's picks to see, you know, which ones you should place and fade the ones that <laughs> I place... Well, too bad because they're all going to be together. So you're yeah. just going to have to decide for yourself. But yeah. um, hopefully you will see us climb back to to positive units before the end of the year. That is the goal. Oh, yeah. And that is a responsibility I take to heart right now because I am totally the one. I am I am the, the, the I don't know what, what comparison. I am you're the, struggling with phrases. Yeah, uh, it's not my best day with phrases. I am the thing holding us back right now. So... Um, no below average bet slip today, but again, follow us on social media. You can also follow Dom on Twitter, Instagram at dsleep14, and you can follow myself on Twitter, Instagram at ntbaker underscore. But that's not the way we end the show around here, Dom. Nope. We end it with a little thing called closing statements. It's the part of the show where me and Dom can get anything and everything off our chest, MMA included, but not exclusive. So, Dominic, what do you have for closing statements on this Thursday edition? What's been going on? Have I had any burning 
questions. Uh, you know, I've had this like thought in my head for a while. It comes and goes. I hit my mic. I'm a mess to finish this episode. Um, I've always had this like thought where I wanted to like tweet out or Instagram story just some random ass question, just anything, anything and everything. Mm. And I wish I had one to bring to you all right now, so I'm kind of building up nothing. I know. I suck at these. But just be prepared. And rather than doing that on Twitter or on Instagram, maybe for closing statements every now and again, because we do two episodes a week, maybe right. one of the two, I'll come with a random-ass question and ask at the end of the episode. Are you telling me your closing statement is a preview for future closing statements? <laughs> That's fucking marketing right there. <laughs> All this and more. And yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Next uh, week. <clears throat> let's see. See, that's weird because I don't know if I have anything today. Um, man, sometimes really, you just don't have it. Yeah, we're really just like failing you guys here at the end. No bed slip. No close. I got to think of something. Okay, what's what's going on? Closing statements. Um, I should probably prepare this stuff like kind of before. We, we, I kind of like that it's on the fly. You know? Oh, I got it. I got it. Okay. So I am officially, as long as nothing changes, I will be officially coming home for Dominic's graduation party. So I'm very excited about that. I can't wait we to will, get a picture together. Yep. We're going to get to watch UFC uh, San, San Diego. Diego. Oh, so, yeah. Um, that's going to be a great day. Um, I am very excited to be back for it. Now, I'm curious, Dominic, have the food plans been made yet? What's going to be catered? It's a little bit TBD, but I can tell you that it looks like it's going to be a little bit of barbecue action, a little bit of pulled pork, a little bit of the mac and cheese, a little bit of the green beans. Wait a minute. So you're telling me that we're getting like homemade food from Big Dave himself? The pork for sure, sides may or may not be catered. We do not know yet because they've been calling us back. That's the problem. But the pork made by, well, not yours truly. I was going to say yours truly. I wish I had the skills my dad did on the grill. It's probably coming from Big Dave. So that is something to look forward to. Have you, uh, since you've been kind of home this summer, uh, when you've not been working and when obviously Dave's not been working because my stepdad and Big Dave have the same yeah profession and we know what a fucking grind that is um have you been taking tips on the grill have you been trying to learn the trade a little bit man not as much as my like original plan because i this is i've, I've I'm, been home. I'm the same way because i want to so badly be good on the grill and just like it making lunch and dinners etc and i will watch but I don't necessarily get hands-on, therefore I'm not getting the experience that I wish I should get. You know what? There's still time before it gets all cold outside. Maybe I should make it an initiative. I'm done with school. I get a little bit more free time. I go out there and watch Big Dave do what he does on the griddle. That's what I need to do. I will end today's closing statements with a embarrassing fact about myself that involves cooking and my lack of skill cooking dominic may know this one i'm not sure now i'm curious um the first time i used an oven was march of 2020 aka i was 22 years old are you sure yep yep first time i used an oven wow how many times since Oh, okay, that 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 wasn't part of the deal here. Tom. 
Okay. You sneaky motherfucker. You trying the I said I was gonna share an embarrassing fun fact and you're trying to make me double down on the embarrassment. It's probably been under twenty, so uh Okay. Okay. Let me just like I just hate I hate cooking. I hate it. I will I say that the idea of eating better food. Like yeah. let me tell you guys. And I don't want to, uh, I hate even to say this, but I'm trying to say it to paint a picture here. At that time, like before, so, okay. Definitely should have used, learned how to do it in high school, probably. Like yep. that's just, I mean, that's what my sister started doing. Now she can kind of do a little bit. My mom's not much of a cook. She, she'll be the first one to tell you that. She doesn't cook, yep. but like my stepdad doesn't either. So it's always like, you know, it's a lot of, um, Growing up, it was a lot of uh, frozen food, mm-hmm. um, a lot of ordering out or um, going out to eat. Um, it's It was a lot of easy stuff, right? It was yeah. good. I mean, chicken, you know, frozen chicken, get eat it up, whatever, Tyson stuff, mac and cheese, yeah. you know, fries, all this stuff. Yeah, it's all good, right? And then my stepdad's really good at grilling. So that's like, you know, anytime in the summer, we'd always have the hot dogs, the brats, the, he would do steaks sometimes, some I mean, just some really good stuff out there, right? Yeah, yeah. So I never learned in high school. Then we lived together for two years. Yep. We had, and I just ate dining hall food or whatever yeah. all the time. So I never used our kitchen at our, either of our dorms. And then basically the two years after we lived together where I was living in two different houses, mm-hmm. I was very broke. And that's a very common college thing. But, I mean, I was, like, paycheck to paycheck big time. Yeah. And I couldn't really afford to do more than, like, some lunch meat, Mm -hmm. some very cheap stuff, right? I was going to say, what's the thing that everybody always goes to for, like, cheap food? It's, like, um, ramen ramen noodles. Yeah. And I never liked ramen noodles. (laughs) I I was useless as a person. But I would I would grocery shop at Dollar Tree. Like I would literally grocery shop at Dollar Tree. Dollar Tree hot dogs. I mean, out of this world. You know? There you go. Um, but now I make pretty good money, and I still eat like that. Like I don't grocery shop at Dollar Tree anymore. But I can tell you what I have available for me to eat tonight for dinner. It's either going to be, and it might even be a mixture, a little <laughs> bit of everything. It's going to be either ham or chicken lunch meat. Mm-hmm. There's salad. There's hot dogs. Mm-hmm. And then I do have some like frozen, like uh, lean cuisine meals stuff, and stuff. But I, I, I've had those in there for so long. Like I, I just, I never want to eat them for some reason. And then I have a bunch of assorted fruit. So I have like pineapple, I have strawberries, Ooh. I have watermelon. And I grapes. love pineapple. So I could throw a little bit of that in there as like a after dinner snack. But that's really what I mean. That's literally. I just got out of my phase, Dom, where I was eating. You saw, used to see me before we record macaroni and potato salad. I was eating yeah. like every day for like three months, just because I loved it so much. And then I got so burnt out on it that now I can't eat it anymore. And I'm like, fuck. What am I going to replace it with? So now it's salad. Yeah. I love salads. But man, I I eat so many salads. I'm going to get fucking tired of it. I'm a fat guy. I can't be eating salads like this this much. Right. right. So all in all. I've, and here's the last embarrassing fun fact. I've lived in Indiana in my own apartment by myself since January. 
I've not used my oven once. Listen. Actually, actually, I just moved the rest of my stuff out of BG last weekend. Yeah. The cooking supplies you gave me were in BG until last week. Oh. I couldn't cook if couldn't I wanted cook. to. <sighs> you know, uh, listen, for tonight for dinner, when we get off this recording, within the next literally 10 minutes probably, we're both going to go eat dinner. Do one of your frozen meals for dinner tonight. I can't make that guarantee. I was already excited about a salad and... <laughs> Maybe okay. a couple hot dogs. I don't know. I'm just... Okay. But I maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. I'll get back. I'll get back to you on that. I'll update everybody on Monday. Okay. Sounds good. Well, that's it. I'm Noah Baker. That's Dominic Salee. We're the Below Average Joes, and we'll see you guys on Monday.